welcome Fellowship Asheville and to those of you who are joining us from wherever you're joining us. I know last week we had people from Tennessee, we had people from, from Texas, we even had people from Africa joining us uh, live last week. So this virtual thing is, is pretty cool and, and, and so thank you for joining us and from wherever it is that you're joining us. Uh, today is obviously a very special day. It's Easter, y'all. I got a jacket on for you, right? Um, but to be completely honest and transparent, uh, I am still wearing shorts and running shoes down here. All right, so 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 it's Easter, uh, but but it's it's a great time and, and it's a day that we celebrate what our faith is anchored in. And I know for some of you there is still maybe a little bit of sadness today because you really wanted everybody to be together for Easter. And and listen, I hear you and I feel it too. This Easter is a different Easter. And, and, and like you, I long for the day that we are all together again, where these pews behind me are full again, where we can worship the Lord together. But that, unfortunately, is not today. Today, we get to worship uh, from our homes together. And, and the joy of today is we get to worship with people literally all over the world today as we celebrate the resurrection because that's what we're celebrating. Let's remember what today means to us, that today really is the day that anchors our faith, because it's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you're tuning in and you're new to this to this church thing, I want to tell you what happens on Easter in particular. It's, it's really a lot of fun, because I say he is risen, and then the congregation would respond, he is risen indeed. And today, I can say he is risen, but I can't hear you say he is risen indeed. I wish that I could, but here's, here's what I want us to do instead. I'm going to say he is risen, and then you're going to say he is risen indeed, and you're going to respond in a couple of ways. Either you can type in the comments, he is risen indeed, or you can give me a like, and, and, and I'll know that that's you saying he is risen indeed, right? So, so I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to respond, he is risen indeed, either in the comments or with a like. Are you ready? Let's do this. All right, y'all, he is risen. All right, very good. You did it. You did it. I saw some comments, I'm sure. Uh, uh, there's some likes there. He is risen indeed. And y'all, wasn't it awesome seeing our worship team again? I want to give a special thanks to Liv and Andrew and to, to Kara and David. Uh, behind the scenes, we had Bill and Shay and Cam. And so I want to thank all of y'all for putting that together. I also want to thank y'all for abiding by the guidelines and, and social distancing um, and all of that and for putting this together. And, and just so you know, we do have one more song at the end of my message that I do want you to, to stay tuned for. Now today, here's what we're going to do in our message. We're going to see the sixth statement that Jesus said on the cross. He said seven total, and today we're looking at the sixth. And I want to tell you uh, that I orchestrated this Easter sermon uh, so that this statement would be on Easter, and here's why. This is the statement of statements that Jesus makes on the cross. If you're a movie buff or if you're into films and, and how stories flow, this statement is the climax statement of the seven statements that Jesus makes on the cross. It, it, it's like Darth Vader looking at Luke and saying, I'm your father. It's, it's, it's like Gandalf the Grey appearing as Gandalf the White. It's the, resurrection, the resurrected Aslan defeating the White Witch. It's that kind of statement. And so turn with me to John chapter 19, verse 30, and let's look at that statement. And as you're turning there, I want you to remember what's happened 
to Jesus so far. He's been on the cross for six hours up until this point. And when he, when he was hung on the cross, the first thing is he did is, is he prayed to God to forgive those who crucified him by saying they don't know what they're doing. And then he turned to the, one of the criminals that was next to him and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He told his mother that her care would now fall under one of the disciples. And then about three hours in, this darkness came over the land of Israel. And about three hours into that darkness, it was interrupted by Jesus's words. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to take the people that were there at the cross and, and he wanted to take us on a journey with him through Psalm 22, a psalm that starts with being forsaken and it ends in victory. And so that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then right after that, he said, he said two very simple words. He said, I thirst. And then he says our statement for today. Look at this, John chapter 19, verse 30. It says, and when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Now I want us to notice something here. The statement that Jesus just made on the cross was, I thirst. But now he changes his pronoun. He's not saying, I am finished. He's saying something different. Now, now I know what it's like to say, I'm finished, right? Maybe, maybe you do too right now. During a dark time in my life, uh, I was thinking, I am finished when it came to ministry. I was just worn out. And I know what many of you like, I know what many of you are thinking, especially these last few weeks, you've had plenty of opportunities to think I'm finished, right? Many of you have been finished with, with this new homeschool situation for weeks now, like you're still trying to find that button to request a sub and you can't find it, right? Maybe you're finished staying at home. Maybe you're finished cooking all the time. Maybe you're finished being lonely or maybe you're finished being around the same people all the time. Now, Jesus had every reason to say that I'm finished, right? He was, he was wrongly accused, he was beaten, he was wrongly convicted, he was beaten again, and he was crucified. If anybody had the, the right to say I'm finished, it's Jesus, but he didn't. He said something else. Instead, he's talking about something else. Now, church, here's why this is important, because I believe what we see today when we look at this statement, it is finished. When we look at it through the lens of the empty tomb, it'll help you because it's helped me when I've said I'm finished. And I think when we look at it is finished the empty tomb, it'll help you when you say I'm finished. Because you see, Jesus didn't say I'm finished. He said it is finished. Now, what in the world is he talking about? What is finished? If it's not him at the end of his life, then, then what is it? What is he referring to? Well, I think we need to understand this because when we understand this, what will happen is when we say, I am finished, uh, we can experience this, this restful hope, this rest and hope. And so, and so listen, here's what Jesus is declaring as finished when he says it is finished. What he's doing is, 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 is through the crucifixion and, and, and the resurrection, he is replacing a temporary solution with a permanent solution. The temporary one is what's finished. You see, Jesus came to permanently fix a problem. And so let me ask you, have you ever kind of fixed something? 
right? Maybe a leaky faucet, right? Maybe, maybe you, you replaced a screw and, and, and hope that fixed it. Maybe you replaced a, a washer and hope that that fixed it. Or maybe you did like I've done and you just take it apart and put it back together again and hope that that magically does something, right? Right, well, what happens when you kind of fix a problem? What happens is the problem comes back, right? It's just a temporary fix. And Jesus is saying, when he's saying it is finished, that the temporary fix is no no longer needed. And see, the problem is seen at the very, very beginning of your Bible in Genesis. Adam and Eve changed humanity with the introduction of sin. Right? A separation was born between God and humanity that didn't exist before then. And the temporary solution was given in the Old Testament law. And it included all kinds of sacrifices. And and these were temporary and they were designed to be temporary. They were actually designed to point to what Jesus is doing on the cross. And these sacrifices had to be done over and over and over again because they kind of fixed the problem, right? And then, and then all the law did is showed how much you needed these sacrifices. And so, so what it did is it created this relationship with God that was over and over and over again. And this kind of relationship with God, Jesus is saying, is finished. Jesus gives us something better. Paul, a writer in the New Testament, he said this. He said, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came. In Galatians 3, 24. Now that word guardian, um, it doesn't mean like bodyguard. It means babysitter. Isn't that hilarious? That the law was our babysitter until, until Christ came. You see, Jesus is saying that this kind of living, this kind of relationship with God where it's over and over and up and down, that it is finished, that now there is this permanent relationship with God that is available. Now, not only is the Old Testament law finished, so is the need for the prophets. The prophets were these really cool men and women in the Old Testament who would would declare God's will for for people. And and, and one of their main purposes, too, was to point to this coming Messiah. And they would give all these these promises about God, uh, promises about the Messiah's coming. And, and, And the New Testament says all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. 2 Corinthians says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. And so the prophets are no longer needed to to point to the Messiah. It's finished because he's here. And seeing in Jesus, we see all the goodness of God. Now, not only was the need for prophets done, so was the need for the priesthood that had been set up, right? Because, Because God's plan was never for a high priest to stand between God and humanity. His plan was for each person to have access to God. When you think about the garden with Adam and Eve, it says that God showed up and walked with them every day, that they had personal access to God. That has always been God's plan. And when Jesus is saying it is finished, what he is saying is that that has been restored so that now you have this, this, this confident ability to approach the throne of God. That we can boldly approach God at any time, from anywhere, any person, because of what Jesus has done, can do this. Which is why in the book of Hebrews, it says, Let us then draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. You see, 
This is why, this is the way it's always meant to be. This, when, when Jesus was crucified and he breathed his final breath, the curtain in the, in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. And that curtain was this, this symbolic separation between where God's presence was and where people weren't. Right? And, and only one person could go in there, the high priest, and that was once a year. Well, when, when, when Jesus said it is finished and he breathed his last breath, that curtain was torn to show that that separation no longer exists. You see, there's one more thing, too, that, that this symbolizes that I want to talk about. Because you know what else is finished? Is the power of Satan is finished. You see, Jesus' Jesus's sacrifice what, what, what he means when he says it is finished is that he is exposing something publicly for all to see. And, and what he's exposing publicly for all to see is that Satan's power is undone. In Colossians 2, it says he disarmed the, the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In other words, in other words, Jesus, Jesus' crucifixion and, and the resurrection that we're going to see here in just a minute made this public display of Satan's power being undone. And so what's finished? You see, God has always had dominion over Satan. We see that in the book of Job, right? Right, that, that, that Satan shows up when God tells him to come. And, and Satan only does what God gives him permission to do. We see that in the book of Job. But here's the deal. In the book of Job, that was in this heavenly throne room, in this spiritual world, well now on the cross, for all the public to hear and for it to be perfectly clear, Jesus is showing what was done in this heavenly throne room is now on public display. Satan has no power beyond God's. He has been publicly disarmed. And so what does this mean? Remember when I told you when I said uh, that I feel finished, that, that what Jesus is declaring as finished can help you? And remember how I told you that it, it helped me? Well, here's how. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a time where you felt finished. Now, y'all, it could be this morning. It could be right before you tuned in on this, right? Trying to get everything ready for Easter and, and all of that. It could be yesterday. It could be last week. It could be years ago. But I want you to think about a time where you felt done. And here's what I think you might feel when you kind of put yourself back there. When you remember this, you might feel defeated in that moment when you say, I'm done. Right now, you don't feel rested. You feel defeated. You feel worn out. Why? Because you've been fighting. And that's what being defeated feels like. It feels like you've been fighting and you have nothing left to give. And yet, you might still feel like you need to fight, right? You might be finished, but you don't feel done. You see, when we feel like we are finished, when we feel like we have to keep on fighting, but we can't, take it from me, to keep fighting then never works. There's a much better way. And here's what does work. See, when we say, I'm finished, we can rest in the finished work of Christ. When we say, I'm finished, we can rest in the finished work of Christ. Now, years ago, I was a certified Red Cross lifeguard. 
Now let me tell you about this. The woman who taught my lifeguarding certification class, uh, she had been lifeguarding for longer than I was alive at that time. And, and so she gave us all this wisdom about how to save people's lives involving water. And, and one of the things she did was teach us what the Red Cross teaches, uh, is to reach, throw, then go. In other words, if someone's down, drowning, you try and reach them first without getting in the water. If you can't do that, you try and throw something so that they can grab a hold of it and pull them to safety. And if worse comes to worse, you go out and get them. And, and what she did, she wanted to, to show us just how dangerous that could be. And unfortunately, she used me as her example, right? Because here's what she did. She said, I'm going to jump in the pool and act like a drowning person. And I want you to come get me. And so I said, okay, sure. So she went in the water and she started flailing around like a person who's drowning and scared and tired. And so I jump in the water and y'all, I'm a pretty good swimmer. And so I jump in the water and I swim to her. And as soon as I got to her, she did what someone would do who is tired and scared and drowning. And she treated me like I was the ladder to safety right? She started climbing up on top of me and pushed me down under the water and took her feet and pushed my shoulders down because that's what a drowning person does. When they're trying to save themselves, they're doing everything they can to just get above the water. And when you swim out to them, they treat you like the ladder to safety. And so she pushed me under and I shot under the water and hit the bottom of the pool and I shot out the other way and came out about 10 feet away from her this time. Because here's what I learned. I learned that trying to save yourself is dangerous, right? If you're in that water and you're trying to save yourself when a lifeguard is there, it's dangerous. It's not only dangerous to you, but it's dangerous to everyone around you. But y'all, there's a better way because here's what else she told us. This is where the wisdom part, you're not going to find this in a Red Cross book. Because what she taught us too is that if you can't reach out to someone and save them, if you can't throw something to them and save them and you have to go out to get them and they're in this state of mind where they're just going to hurt you as you're trying to save them, she said, she, she shows you do have one more option. And she said, and I've only had to use it once, but it's really effective. She said, I swam up to them and I made a fist and just popped them in the face. And she goes, it'll do one of two things. It'll either get their attention so that they stop or it'll knock them out. Either way, you can do what you need to do and you can drag them back to shore. And they can get the help that they need. Well, here's the deal. Maybe you're finished because you've been fighting to save yourself. Maybe you're like that drowning person doing everything you can to keep your head above the water. And y'all, we have a lifeguard who's right there ready to save you, ready to take you to shore. Maybe you've been trying to fix it, whatever it is. Well, what would happen if you did this? What would happen if you let the finished work of Jesus do his work on you, right? What if you let the finished work of Jesus do his work on you and you rested in this permanent relationship. You rested in the fact that Satan's power uh, has been on public display as powerless. What if you rested in the fact that, that Jesus is the Messiah who came to save you? You see, maybe this is the pop in the face that you need. Maybe this is, is what you need to stop trying to save yourself because when you do, here's what you get. You don't get defeated. You finally get to rest. You get to rest and let the lifeguard carry you to shore. Now, doesn't that sound nice?
And let me give you a word that describes what this rest feels like. It's hope. You get hope because Jesus said it is finished. Now you see, when we, when we look at this to the empty tomb, remember we're calling this series an empty tomb in full life because that empty tomb gives us a full life. And we've been looking at these statements through the reality of that empty tomb. Let me read to you where our statement for today, it is finished, gets you. Let me read to you hope. Let me show you hope. Because I want you to see another big statement. This statement that we saw today is the, is the climax of the seven statements that Jesus said on the cross. But what I want to do is I want to show you every, I want to show you the climax that every scripture in the Bible points to. I want to show you the climax of all the scriptures. And it's not from a cross this time, it's from an empty tomb. Turn with me to Matthew 28. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. If you, if you want to turn there, you can, or you can just listen and let these words kind of soak in. Because Matthew 28 says this. It says, Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was like snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. Y'all, when Jesus said, I am finished, he knew there was going to be an angel declaring something else that's true. The fact that he is risen. And the fact that Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And, and I can say that with everything in my being, that that is fact. Even if I didn't have this spiritual inclination to believe that that's true, I've got history that tells me that it's true. There is more data and more history supporting the resurrection uh, than there is the fact that, 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 that the other ancient texts uh, are even true and reliable. Like, like we can trust the fact that Jesus was resurrected. And if he's resurrected, then everything he did and said is true. He really is the Messiah. And y'all, he really is your Savior. He is your lifeguard. And y'all, this is our hope that he is risen. And he is risen indeed. And today, maybe you need to do this. Today, maybe you need to let hope save you. Maybe you need this kind of rest. Maybe you need to finally stop fighting this and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to him as your savior and stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to, to, to do enough good things so that God will love you because I've got good news for you. He already does love you. He loves you so much that he allowed his son to be crucified for you. 
And so say yes to Jesus, to this offer of forgiveness of your sins. Say yes to this offer of this internal, permanent relationship with God that isn't ups and downs and twists and turns and where you don't know if he's going to be happy with you or mad at you. You know that he loves you because of Jesus. And so say yes to him today. Maybe you have already said yes to him today and this whole coronavirus season is the pop in your face that you needed, but you didn't know you needed it. And you're tired of fighting off anxiety. You're tired of of trying to control things. You're, You're just tired of fighting and you feel defeated. Well, let hope save you today and just rest. Rest in the finished work of Jesus. Rest in the reality of his presence with you today. Rest in hope. Now the Bible says that hope is being sure of what we can't see. And here's the truth. You can't see God. You can't even see his ways. You can see the results of them. But oftentimes, when you say you're finished, when I said I'm finished, it's because I couldn't see what God is doing. Hope is being sure that God is doing something for you, even when you can't see it. Hope is being sure that God is fighting for you, even when you feel defeated. Hope is being sure of God's presence and his power for you. Hope allows you to rest. Hope allows you to let the lifeguard carry you to shore. Now let me ask you, where do you need this kind of hope-filled rest today? I want you to name it right now. Where do you need it today? Is it God's provision? Is it in stress? Is it in anxiety? Is it in control? Is it in, is it in, in, in being around little kids all day? Is it around being around the same people all day? Or is it for some of you being around no one all day? Where do you need hope? Well, here's what I want you to do. Today, I want you to name that place where you need hope, and I want you to pray. And I want you to declare to God and to yourself that you're going to rest in Jesus' power and his presence today. Let's pray. Jesus, You are the one who will break down every wall and who will climb every mountain. Father, you are the one who will jump into the pool and save us. And you are the one who doesn't mind uh, giving us a pop on the face to get our attention. And God, I pray that this Easter we will receive your presence. We will receive your power. And when we do, we will find rest and hope. In Christ's name. And you know what, though? I said I was going to pray specifically for people to experience that. And so, Lord, I do. I pray for those who are listening to my words right now, that you would give them clarity about where they, they have been fighting and where they don't need to fight anymore, and that you would give them the, the confidence to approach you boldly and declare hope instead. And, Father, I pray that you would guard their hearts and their minds in the peace of Christ. And that peace of Christ would would fall all over them and they would have rest. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Now y'all, I love you. I love being the church with you. Um, I'll see you when I see you.